I'm Peter Jones, and welcome to the Foyne Jones Show. This podcast will be combining personality, passion, and our love of football, alongside industry and recruitment news. Our amazing guests will share their personal stories and also explain what they get up to when they're not at work. So today's episode of the Foyne Jones Show is being recorded live at Whiteley Furniture. I'm with Ben Allgate, is that right Ben? Yep. Ben, good morning sir. Morning. We brought the weather with us mate, that dark cloud is very much over my head as normal. And on the way here, coming up from Sussex by the sea, we uh, were overtaken by lots of Aston Villa fans who uh, look mildly hungover after their day at Wembley. But today's show is going to be really interesting because... Foyne Jones, as most people will know listening to this, are big players in terms of recruitment in the KBB sector and getting yourself on to the, to the show as a guest is a real signing for us because you've got almost a lifetime, 20 plus years of KBB experience to yep. share with us. So we're going to be talking about your journey, where it started, where it is now. Um, a love of a football team, we've got quite a big game coming up in a, in a few days. Yeah, just um, a one. Yeah, so we'll bring that into it. And then we're going to end the show uh, quite uniquely by building in sort of a message about some of the recruitment and current, just current, current expansion, what's going on here at Whiteleaf. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Okay, so to paint a picture and just to kind of let us know who, who is going to be the, the main man in the studio, Ben, tell us about yourself and, and what you're up to. So currently I'm the, the, the MD of, and, and, and part owner of Whiteleaf Furniture. We, we purchased the company back in March. Um, it, was, it, was, it was the end of, or, or a, a pivotal point in a key journey for me, which started many, many years ago, back in the, in, in the, in the KBB industry, but loosely mm. in, in the KBB industry. So I think, I, think, I think in your career, there are times that are quite pivotal and there are things that happen. And I think at that point, it was quite a pivotal moment for me. And there was a, a gentleman who I will never forget who, who gave me an opportunity. Um, and um, that came on the back of a difficult period that got me to there. Um, I was a young lad, spent my younger years in the East End of London. Um, we're going to really explore this. I'm looking forward to, so, to, to that. To the, you know, when, when people, when we were talking before the show, just to share this with the listeners, and um, I've got, a, you know, for, for people that sort of who see some of the video stuff, we've got the Foyne Jones Youth Squad with us today. So we got we got Harry George Jones behind me. We have got Callum. So some of the fifth books, things we'll be talking about before they're born. Yeah. So it's uh, so it's superb. But when you brought your story to life, starting you know in the East End and yeah. around Roman Road and that that journey into the workplace. Did you ever imagine you'd be where you are now? Because no, you've mean, been up and down on that roller coaster, yeah. like we all have, haven't you? No, I mean we 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 uh, to say that as a family we had little is an understatement. I mean we we uh, grew up in the in the East End. We were had been in London since the uh, I think it was just before the end of 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 the war. Um, my grandparents or my great grandparents came over. Um, they were Jewish immigrants. Um, they were they were shipped into East London via the Isle of Man, but we we had to graft early on, and I think I think that was 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 a work ethic that 
that has, has, has kind of carried through all the way through my working career. So we came over, um, lived just at the back of Weaver's Fields, and we had to work hard, um, really, really hard. Um, we, I was from a family of traders, so it would be market trading and things like that. Um, and I think what was pivotal for me was that, was that I had to leave school at a very early age. I mean, it, it was earn your way, and that's kind of what happened in that there weren't a lot of money around. So, um, so how, how young did you leave school? I when was 13. Okay, so that's younger than, than most people. Yes, so I left school at 13. Um, and the issue was was that was that in those days it weren't a good thing to leave school. No, no I was going to say we give that some context. Now, yeah. if my father-in-law said he left school at thirteen, or, yeah. or my granddad or something like that, you go, yeah, I get that. Yeah. But you're about my age, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. So, so you're in your 40, 40, um, 44. Yeah. So bang on my age. So, yeah. so, so we're both forty-four. Yeah. So, so I left school at sixteen, did a couple of years at college. You know, no one from my family went any. You know, I yeah. mean, going to college was a bit of a bit of a game changer yeah. from where I'm from, but to be taken out of education or choosing to come out of education that young, yeah. that's a challenge because that's, that, that's in the that's in the 80s, isn't it? Well, it was it was a challenge, and I mean, obviously, we went out to work and earned money however we could yeah. at that point, um, and worked the markets and traded and dealt and did other bits and pieces just to make sure that we had money coming in. The issue came in the uh, social services then got wind that we weren't at school and ultimately it it, it, it it ended with them actually intervening and coming and taking us away. Right. So we then ended up in the care system at a very young age, which were taken far away from home, hated it, um, and it was it was a time in, in the care system when... Where did they take you? Um, we went to numerous homes, but I ended up in a... In a children's home uh, up in Leighton Buzzard, in the end. Blimey. Yeah, so it's all the way um, in Bedfordshire from the East End. Yeah, so what we would, what what we would then do is we would we would uh, run away. I knew you told me. I I, I just yeah. I mean I'm not I'm not encouraging it, but no. so, my, my, if someone had took me out of Fulham and put me somewhere yeah. like that, my instant reaction would be to and, come back. And that's what we did. So we would run away, um, and then we'd be found, and we'd be taken back, and we'd run away, and we'd be found, and in the end. Or we couldn't go back home because every time we ran away, that was the first place that they'd go and find yeah. us. So, and my old dear was getting into trouble because we kept going back. So then at 14, 15, I'm now on the streets in London as a 14 or a 15 year old. Um, and I guess when you get to that point in your life and you're sleeping in a doorway and, 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 just earning however you can, that um, you don't think that there is anything beyond that, you, you know. And it's it's bleak. There is no future. There is no end to it. But I think I think what's important is that it, it it if I if I put this back to business, it gives you a kind of work ethic mm. that you carry through, which is however bad it gets in business, you know that life can get worse. Yeah. And it gives you a positive outlook on kind of pulling through that. You've got a graft and you've got a graft hard. And when you think you've grafted as hard as you can, then you've got a graft a bit harder. I then ended up in a bed sit. In, in the end, you know, it gets to a certain age and the care system sort of say, right, that's it. 
off you pop, there's there's a bed sit, on you go, and you're kind of left to get on with it. And I had a couple of years where I just sort of didn't really know what or how, or I had no education, I'd, 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 I'd had no career advice or guidance. So you know, about 17, 18 at least. S- a sixteen. Sixteen. Yeah. So so you're sixteen years of age, you're you're in a you're in a bed set yeah. back in London? Uh yeah. So back back in back in the East End. I'd move over to West London actually at oh, that point. There you go. Yeah. Anywhere near Fulham? I was in Twickenham. Okay. Oh, oh mate, posh suburbs there, mate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they've, they've got grass and trees and all yeah, sorts of yeah, stuff, mate. Yeah, it was So what was your what, what would you class as your first kind of employed or real job? So not the ducking diving and the and yeah. that, the actual real job. I, I mean, I think uh, I mean a few years. I, I mean, I kind of had to earn earn money, and and it was the same response every time. You know, an interview came up. It was, you know, where did you go to school? What yeah. were your qualifications? What can you do? And it was all like a, a dead end, a dead end, a dead end, a dead end. So. Um, I bought myself some painting stuff um, and started putting cards in newsagents' windows. Remember that? Um, and um, and I've, I, I've still seen with some newsagents, but I mean, they're not as, there's not as many as there used to be now. And I would literally, I'd go on the bus or the tube and I'd paint a room here and I'd paint yeah. a room there and I'd be, I'd, and then um, people had asked me to do more things, so it'd be like, can you wallpaper this wall? So in the evenings, I used to go and sit in the library and I would read books on how to do things. So, you know, how to wallpaper and how to put an architrave up and how to do this and how to do the other and kind of almost became self-taught. Um, and the more I learned, the kind of bigger jobs I could take on and, 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 and you know, and I could do more and more. But... I had no driving license or anything like that, so it was kind of like lugging stuff around on the underground. I've got this picture of you, mate, on the old Routemaster bus, like getting, you know, going down the tube with a gear, coming up with a gear. Yeah. yeah. And people want to sit next to you, would they? So no, I can imagine that. You can't sit there, mate. My paint pot's there, my brush is there. Yeah. I get that. And um, and and I did that for a few years, and you know, it I was. I do see that being fun, though. I mean, I, I mean, I probably I don't know why, but I just I just see that as being like something like real character building. I, I mean, guess. didn't I mean I enjoyed it. I did yeah. enjoy it, and I mean, yeah, I mean there were jobs I took on, and it was a case of you know, can you do this, this, and this? And it would be yeah, of course I can. And then I'd be thinking, oh god, how am I going to get through that? And I've got no idea how you do that. And um, and and I just kind of learned. And then it, it 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 was good, but I needed something a bit more regular and. Um, and I'd I'd met a girl and settled down a little bit and 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 things were a little bit more steady in my life, and um, an advert came up for um, Howden's joinery. I literally I phoned this advert and there was a bloke who answered the phone and he said um, he said I'm really sorry I said but uh, he he said the job's already gone. So I said I'll tell you what I said just let me come and see you anyway. You know, it may be that there might be something that comes up in the future. Well, there's no point really because the job's gone. I said, well, look, you know, you, you got nothing to lose. I've got nothing to lose. I'm not asking you for any commitment. I'll just come and see you. What, what do you think made you ask that question? 
As in, as in, let me come and see you anyway. You've got nothing to lose. Because my feeling was was that it was that if if I could get in front of him, yeah. so it's just that in my opinion, ninety nine percent of people won't ask that. They'll yeah. go okay. Yeah, no. Do you know what I mean? And there's something else you said, and again, it's just interesting. Is you articulated it in a completely different way, but you're talking about your your you're taking the jobs on and Jesus Christ. But but you've just said yes. You know, can you can you fit hang that door? Can can you? Yes, yes, yes. You've gone away and you've you've made it happen. Richard Branson makes a makes a career about his you know his his his, his speeches or his his copywriting stuff. You know, say yes and worry about it afterwards. But yeah. you, you're doing it self-taught. It's yeah. just a natural. And that has to be something with them them tough years where yeah. where you're scraping it, it. Yeah, yeah. I think it, you, it it's kind of make it happen. And you know, I mean, in the end, I managed to get down there and I sat in front of of of, of this gentleman who interviewed you, uh, interviewed me. Sorry, and um, and he offered me the run on the day, and I went and did it for about a year. And so, what what branch was it? What what branch was it? Enfield. Enfield. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was Enfield. And I did it for about a year, and I had a car, and it gave me, it gave me, I, I mean, my brief was literally drive round, and if you see a skip outside a house somewhere, then go in and get talking to somebody and get them to open an account, and and that was really what it was. And um, I did it for a year, and I got a phone call from um an agency saying that they knew of me um and they had a position with a builder's merchants and at the time it was a step up and it was a builder's merchants that was based in east london and it had its roots in east london and i knew i mean i've known nichols it, it's it, i mean they they've been part of my childhood really i mean I've, you know they've been around forever and um and i went and worked for a gentleman called howard bull who asked me to go in and kind of leaned towards the kitchen side and it was a builder's merchant's role it was hard graft i mean it really was i mean anyone anyone in this industry that 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 is going to go on and do well needs to cut their teeth i believe in a merchant i think a merchant really builds character um howard ball employed me and he gave me an opportunity and it was a specialist area of Nichols and Clark, so although it was a builder's merchants, it was more of a kind of specification role as such. And then to cut a long story short, Howard then, he was a sales director, he then got taken over to another business, um, he got poached, and his first telephone call was to me to say, come and join me over here. So he took me from one company to the other, where I then went and worked for him for another few years and learned a lot but I'd kind of I'd, and 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 it was it, and it was great and I I will never forget the opportunity that Howard Ball gave me I reached a point though in my career where I realized that I was always going to live in Howard's shadow it was like wherever he went he was going to carry on taking me wherever he went but I was never really going to progress at that point, I was very lucky in that I, I kind of did what anybody does in that situation, phone the right people and say, look, I think I'm going to be looking for something else. And Mila wanted someone to work within their contracts division. And that really was, that was the, I would say that was the moment that I stepped up into the, into the big league. And in terms of a timeline, 
When, when did that, you know, move into the Premier League come? When, when was that step up? It was 2005, and I'd started with, I started with Nichols in 2001. Okay. So I did, I think it was four years from Nichols and Clark yeah. to Mila. And Mila really opened me up to the kitchen industry, if I'm honest with you. I mean, I, 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 I worked my way up. In the end, I, I, I was kind of looking after the whole of the UK, running their contracts division. Um, then I looked after the um, a super yacht side of it. So I looked after marine developers and, and basically managed to get Mila a lot of firsts so, you know, their first major volume development, their first big job with the Barclay Group, their first, you know, so I kind of um, opened them up, really. Um, How did you do that? I'm very good. My process is very simple in business. In, in, in the, I have a knack of being able to just go in and, and sort of identify the, the tweaks that need to be ch- made in order to al- allow someone to operate in a certain marketplace. And with Mila, it was quite a simple one in that they were, the, their price point was too high. They, they were desperate to try and get a part of BSH's business in that market. And at the time, BSH were the powerhouse. So how important was the was the relationship with the because to, to execute those opportunities and to compete with your nemesis and to you know to go toe to toe you've you've made the operational changes you've made the you've made changes I guess in production to be able to commit to to get to the price yeah. point and be competitive, um, but you need customers to come with you that journey you need you need the customer commitment so 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 how difficult was that to to persuade or influence. The you know because I remember how the how the high rises were going up, how the houses were going up yeah. at that time. You're in a, an amazing competitive arena. I saw it from a merchant perspective. Mm. You know, so we were competing for different products. You're going in on the you know you're going in with the kitchens, which everyone wants a bit of. Yeah. So 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 what, where were the challenges there, and how did you how did you make that happen? I think the beauty with Mila was that it was a brand that people aspired to have, yeah. and I think I, I think what was great about working for that business was that. Um, a lot of the work was done for you, you know, um, and I think I think it's about identifying what the angle is, and I think with Mila the angle was was that there was a preconceived idea that that it was out of everybody's reach, and I think it I think it it it, it was almost a downsell as such, in that what you had to do was actually sit and and get in front of the right people and and actually communicate that that this was within their reach and that this was possible. The world in 2019 is very different to what the world was pre-2009, yeah. you know. Um, my recruitment company in 2009 is completely different to what it is in yeah. 2019. How do you see the KBB industry now to how it was back then? I mean, I'll be honest with you, and I mean, you know, it may it may go against what some people believe, but you know, if you look at that run up to 2008, I mean, it was it was it it was a license to print money in this industry mm. to a certain extent. I mean, it was, you know, kitchen values were probably the highest that they'd ever been. 
you know, there were volume schemes that were regularly coming out of the ground where the kitchens would be averaging 40 or 50 grand a pop. Um, the, you know, the kind of mid to high end um, area of the market was absolutely flying. You know, you had a Wigmore Street was just, you, you know, success after success mm. after success after success. Um, and, you, you, you know, that was all being driven by money that was, or big money that was coming into this industry from areas like, you know, stockbrokers and bankers yeah. and everybody else. And, you, you know, they were getting bonuses that, that, that could, you know, give them the luxury of buying a four million pound penthouse on the river as a as a sideline or, or this or that. Yeah, I mean, what was ironic was, I mean, you know, there were suppliers on schemes around London that were actually looking at, you know, how much it would cost to default on contract rather than rather than go ahead because the cost yeah. to actually fulfil were more. I mean, you know, there were kitchen companies on 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 high rise schemes that were losing or potentially going to be losing X amount for every kitchen they installed. It was literally their margin and some. Yeah. You, you know, if you look, I mean, we'd gone from one forty-five to parity overnight on a on an industry where you, you know there was thirty or forty percent margin p- potentially. And again, yeah. I'm not I'm not putting people's figures out there, but it was um, it was. It, I, well, I, I mean, people, you know, it was a frightening time. Those margins are kind of you know people, people you've got the perception of where they are and where they're pointing. Yeah. But I think you because you then from from the journey you, you then sort of kind of just stepped away from it from a bit, didn't you? Took yeah. yourself out of the intensity yeah. and just. Well, I don't say I'm not saying tread water. That's the wrong thing. But you just took yourself away yeah. and just did did a normal job for a while, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So well, Was that good for you. Yeah, I mean, I mean. I mean, I'd been in and out, and, and I mean, I'd come in, I'd come in, I'd come out. I ended up in an office in Fulham, you know. Um, I love it when Fulham gets into my episodes. Yeah, which I love. Off months the road, weren't you? Yeah. A, a film of Muse I was in. Yeah, um, film of Muse for it. Um, you know, and, um, and I kind of did my thing, and then I ended up sort of getting involved in a retail showroom in Barnes that didn't really work, and, you know, and... and, and, and it's 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 the kind of one part of my career where all the way through I can see a progression and yeah. I can see what I've done and I can see, you, you know, I've gone from here to here and, and then progressed from here to here and here to here. And I guess it's the one part of my career that it, 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 it didn't really go anywhere or do anything. And what it was, was I guess it was, it was a period of quite painful lessons, including losing quite a large amount of money that I think I needed to go through if, if anything and I know this sounds a bit strange but if anything I think because of the successes that I'd had leading up to there I think I'd become a bit above my station if I'm honest with you mm. and I think I'd become a little bit complacent that whatever I touched would turn to gold and that it yeah. would continue to do that I don't think I don't think that's that something that you should you should I mean, <laughs> I'm the same age as you, so we spoke about. So, so I remember in my, my merchant career just always being successful, you know, and I, and I moved, and so I moved from one merchant to another into, into a great position at a very young age. And then when I set for and jump, come up with the idea to launch my business, launch my business, success, you know, yeah. just, and, 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 and I made terrible investment decisions. I, I, I was so exposed <laughs> when taps got turned off that I learned the hard way. And, and I had that, I've had probably 18 months, 20 months of 
really, really painful reconstruction to get myself back. Still got the scars, you know, still got them scars. Quite proud of them to an extent because you can you can make sure you don't make those mistakes again. But I look at my what we do now. And what we do now, the detail, the time, the relationships, our, our attention to detail in the recruitment process is so much stronger than what it ever was yeah. prior to that pain. And I'm imagining where you are right now, at, yeah. here at Whiteleaf with the contract furniture offer, growing that, you're actually going to be able to learn from, or use all those lessons, all the good stuff, all the bad stuff, yeah. and kind of transform it moving forward. Well, I think, I think, I think the biggest lesson that I learned in all of that, mm. which I think was was important for me to move on to the next step, was that I'd worked for organisations where, you know, I'd looked at balance sheets, I'd looked at PL, I'd looked at all of these other things, but they were just numbers on a piece of paper. Yeah. And I think what that taught me is the is is the real connection between that 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 balance sheet and that P&L, and money, mm. and, and real money. And life. And, and, yeah. and that and when, when you take that hit, or when you erode your margin there, or when that gets lost, or when you overspend here, that's, 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 that's real. That's not just some numbers on a, on a laptop screen, that's, that's real. Let's focus much more on your current position here, owner, manager, director of Whiteleaf. Yep. How do you see this business moving and, and what, what's what's the plans? How think, much can you share with us? I think, and, and again, I mean, I'm going to be candid because obviously I'm aware that there are stuff that we want to yep. sort of keep to ourselves until such time as it's right. But I mean, I think I think the important, the important points for us is that... Um, we we got involved and purchased Whiteleaf Furniture because we identified a business that that had the key core ingredients um, that we were looking for in a business. Um, Whiteleaf has been very very good at doing what it does, but sitting just under the radar. Um, mm. So you know we've been delivering large volume, fast moving contracts for a large number of years, mm. but. People, it's not a name that comes to, you know. Uh, we've not, we've noticed that. You know, we, we're doing some work together. So, so yeah. it's it's we. Once you explain yeah. the projects and the and the strength of the work, you know, people are automatically interested. But yeah. it, I, I, the, the the under the radar. I think that's a that's a great way of putting it. Yeah. So so, so we've kind of done what we've done. I mean, it's been a family owned business, and the business has been around for over a hundred years. You know, there's not a lot of businesses in the industry that can say they've mm. been around for a hundred years. Um, and what's what's key about this business is that we keep that identity. A, a Whiteleaf has been successful because of the repeat business that it's had over the years. Um, and we're not coming in and trying to change its identity completely. What we're doing is kind of harnessing what we know is very, very good about this business and building on that. So a, a lot of the big contractors we're working for at the moment um, and have worked for historically. Um, 
we've 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 worked in certain sectors and our job now is to is to build on the sectors that we're not as strong in but we are currently working in um but also to keep that identity as a UK manufacturer, which we are very, very proud of. Um, and that's not knocking any of our mm. European counterparts because what they do is very, very good. Um, but we are proud that we are manufacturing in the UK. Um, must be quite a big employer in this area. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, we're employing over 100 yeah. um, in this area. But, I mean, for, for a British manufacturer in, in the yeah. Shires, you know, that's... Yeah. yeah and also, I think what's 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 great is that we we want to keep that a flexibility of a uh, as a business. So, so although we deliver volume, we still want to be able to respond to what a client's needs are, um, and I think that's important, and that's going to be something that we're going to continue to obviously try and enhance. Fantastic. So, so, so I guess to summarise the Whiteleaf position at the moment, you yeah. know, the, the snapshot for, for the listeners and the social media connections is that for the last hundred years, it's been a British manufacturer of, of contract of, of furniture. Yeah, furniture. You know, it's yeah. it's been kind of under the radar as such, but yeah. you've got some established relationships with key contractors and developers yeah. looking at expanding into new sectors, but not becoming that company that can't respond and react yeah. and, and yeah. You know, I guess be personal to someone's needs. Exactly. So Ben, listen, we, we, the, the first half of the show has been absolutely brilliant and yep. we're going to come back to the exciting future of Whiteleaf towards the end, yep. but we're now going to come on to kind of what, what I get the most excited about, not that I'm not excited about KBB and of course I love recruitment, puts yeah. food on the table, but we're going to talk about humanising you as a person, okay. so we're going to get to know you first, your, your family, what you do away from work and then we're yeah. going to come on to, to, we're going to come on to football, so Family-wise, how's that? I mean, I can see some great photos in the office. How's that at the moment for you? Yeah, it's lovely. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm only here doing what I'm doing because of the great woman that I've got behind me. And to be honest with you, it's, um, it's just as much her achievement as it is mine to have mm. got to the point where I am. I mean, you know, for every night that I'm away, there's a house that, that that's being looked after, and our children are being looked after. Mm. So yeah, you, you know, it's 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 important. Um, we've got. Four beautiful boys, um, and we've got another one due in September. There you go, mate. So, five a side team. So we've got a five a side, five a side team. team and a player manager rolling on, rolling oh, off, mate. But you are only as good as the, 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 the stability behind you. And I think it's that whole package. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you haven't got that stability behind you, you can go right off the rails, which yeah. is probably why I'm pleased I never worked in the city or stuff like that, because oh. I think I would have probably been easily led. Uh, working a builder's merchant in that tougher environment, yeah. it's all right. But come on, let's, let's get on to your football team. Right. All right, let's get on to your football team. Okay. So, so you spoke about your family and where they've arrived from yeah. that gives us a link to the team but yeah. t- tell us who well, tell us first of all that photo that's just above your desk yeah that's Chaz and Dave with Glenn Oddle on bass and Ray Clements on <coughs> yeah. piano is that in the cup for Tottenham is it that one or is it the one after or is no, it just I, a I, I think it might have been no in the cup for Tottenham was our D-list yeah so 
I'm not sure if it's linked to a certain song. Darwin, great, definitely... great photo. Yeah. You know, when, when you walk into someone's office and you've got that iconic Tottenham kit and you've got Chaz and David on the, on, on the wall, it kind of gives you... I'm a Fulham fan, but it still gives me a kind of feel-good yeah. factor. Um, where, where did it all start, the Love, Love Spurs? Um, a neighbour of ours, a bloke called Howard, who worked for the railway, was a, a big, big Spurs fan. Um, and... He was a friend of the family, and I remember watching, it was the UEFA Cup final um, against Anderlecht, and it was the first game that I watched on television. And that was a penalty shootout one. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was 2-2 two, two after, uh, after extra Parks. time. And, um, and, and that was me. And then, you know, I sort of hassled my old man, and, and he was like, not a chance. Um, and then in the end he gave in and took me to a game, and it was against Southampton. And um, and that was that was that was me, so that was eighty four. I've been carrying that cross ever since. There is an amazing game that Tottenham are going to be taking part in on Saturday in the beautiful Spanish city of Madrid. Talk to me about about getting there and what this weekend's going to mean to to, to Tottenham Hotspur football. Club. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I mean, we 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 managed the worst ever points total um, in the group stages. I think so. There was a record there. Um, I think it was a, a last-minute goal by Lucas Moura against against Barcelona that actually got us through. Um, it was all last-minute goals. I mean, everybody knows, you know, right, against Dortmund, it was kind of plain sailing, but then it sort of went downhill after that. And, you know, I mean, to draw Manchester City in any competition, you know... Um, it's kind of like, well, you know, that was a nice run. Um, and um, and then, you know, the, the sort of missed penalty to beat them 1 0. Um, then we had the second leg game where it was sort of, you know, the goal that shouldn't have been, and then this and that. And then it's, it's, it's the fastest, I think it was the fastest four goals ever scored in a Champions League game. Um, it was, it was up and down, but. As a Spurs fan, and then obviously Ajax, and then Moore in the 96th minute, and you think, you shouldn't be there. Yeah. We shouldn't be there about six times over. You know, we've managed to drag ourselves through it somehow at every juncture. If you 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 know it doesn't work out for you in Madrid, and you know it's it's going to be a very very tight game. I yeah. think there'll be fifty thousand Tottenham fans out there, fifty thousand Liverpool fans yeah. out there, plus some. I think it'd be an amazing occasion yeah. on the weekend, but it's going to be um, you know you could argue that Liverpool putting four past Barcelona was was equally yeah. an outstanding achievement the night yeah. before. Yeah. So you've got both teams going at it. What do you honestly think is going to happen? Is it is it a coin toss? I think it is. I yeah. mean, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I mean, I think both teams on their day can beat the best um, as they've proven. Um, how they beat them, you, you know, is irrelevant. But mm. but but both teams have beaten the best. Both teams have had have, have had poor results. You know, and Liverpool on paper, you'd say is the stronger side. Would you? 
But if you look at Tottenham as a team... I think you've got the best centre-backs in the world. Like, the best pairing, I really do. You know, uh, yeah, but then you look at Van Dijk and, you, you know, I mean... I said pairing. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 a toss-up. I mean... You, you, so you what, let's, let's go around this room. Callum, who do you think is going to win? Honestly, Liverpool. Harry George-Jones? Um, I think he'll go all the way... We'll get the educated answer here. I think he'll go uh, all the way to either extra time or penalties... Um, I think one goal either way, but I'm going Spurs because of their knack of just getting those late goals. Okay. Sorry, it wasn't a short one. <laughs> I, 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 would, I would love Tottenham to win it. I think they're poor. Me, I think if you look at the, if you look at how we got there, it's almost fate that Spurs are going to go on and win it. You know, I just think I, I, I feel for Liverpool. Because I think I think they've had you know a great season and to finish on that ninety-seven points and I'll give you get that and still not win the league. Yeah. It was like you know, you know, but oh come on though, they, they won enough when we were growing up, didn't they? Like in the eight. Oh, I mean, I grew up in an area where everybody was a Liverpool fan. I mean, yeah. they won everything. It's um, I don't know. I just think I just think Spurs have just got something. It, it's yeah. that the Pochettino dream, the end of this, the, the you, you know, his journey, everything you know, I, I don't know if you heard his interview on Talk Sport, but he was talking to one of the girls on Talk Sport, and he's talking about his bowl of lemons, and he was, he's for the feng shui, yeah, he changed, if, if, if the chair of name is bidding, he changes the lemons to take all the negative energy, they're, they're, and, he, and he didn't like the last episode of Game of Thrones. No. Now, if that man has the ability in, a, in, a, in an interview to take all the pressure away from his team by throwing that in, and do what he's done. Yeah. I mean, if if I could choose, I would want Tottenham. I'm not, I'd want Tottenham to win. I just, I don't know. I, it's, 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 but look, there's four of us in this room, and we're still 50-50. I've got five quick questions. These are really quick answers, right? So, so these are really quick. They're just all Tottenham related. Are these Harry Kane penalties or are they Bamiyans? No, they're Bamiyans. <laughs> yeah. So, so we're gonna we're coming on to just the penalty shootout part of the show. So this is a great bit of fun. They're quick fire questions. You've got five. Now, in your playing days, Ben, I ask everyone this, would you have took a pen? Yes. And were you a Ray Stewart-type penalty taker or a Glenn Hoddle-type penalty taker? No, I had a Glenn Hoddle-type penalty Yeah, taker. so side foot, pick yeah. the corner. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so that might have gave away the first question, but who's your favourite ever Tottenham player? Who's your favourite ever Tottenham player, sir? Ledley King. Oh, he's only got one knee. Great answer. See, I, I thought we'd be going Hoddle, Gazza, something like that. See, my one before him, and I won't even say his name on, on camera. I know what you're going to say, the other centre off. Was another defender. Yeah, yeah. yeah the I other one. Him. Who's going through some managerial problems at the moment? Yeah, okay, we won't go into it. All right, uh, live, maybe in that season where you win every game or any match, what's been the, the most amazing goal you've ever seen? You could say more of the other night, mm. which was phenomenal. But for me, being there was probably Peter Crouch scoring in about the 93rd minute against Manchester City to put them out of the Champions League places and put Spurs into the Champions League places. And I was at that game. So for them to get knocked out of the Champions League at the Etihad by Peter Crouch was, yeah, it was quite phenomenal. And keeping on the, the players, not... You've said Ledley King's kind of your best player and you alluded to someone else. Who's like your cult hero? You know, the, the player that just, every time you hear his name, you just smile. Ronnie Rosenthal. <laughs> Ronnie Rosenthal. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean that, that, that miss gets played and played and played, doesn't it? Rocket Ronnie. Yeah. I, I was there when he scored a hat-trick in the second half. 
rocket running. Okay, I'm really enjoying this quiz. Two more to go. All right. Yeah. So, um, does Harry Kane start for question four? On yes. Set? Does, and we've said it's fate that Spurs are going to win. But when are they going to win? How are they going to win? In normal time, two-one, winning goal, seventy-fifth minute around. Say what? If this comes off, man. <laughs> Who's scoring it? Come on, I'll go and get this on. I've got an app. I think it'll be a defender. For Tongan. For Tongan or Aldevero, uh, I think. They're my two favourite players. I, I think I can see it. I can see it being one all. Tight, as you say. Kane coming on and doing the Kane. Either Liverpool equalising or Spurs equalising. Then becoming a bit guarded. And then spirit. And then, and then them coming into that final bit. A defender scoring from a corner because it's completely, it's just that that's, that's one of them. I, I don't think it's going to be a Ford that's going to win it. Mm. Um, and then Spurs having to go through 15 or 20 minutes of absolute pain. 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 Yeah, hell, and, yeah, yeah. And, you know, because <laughs> we, went, we went through that. I mean, completely different game, but you watch it happen now. Playoff final last year, you know, when when, when Dennis Adoy got himself sent off for trying to decapitate uh, Jack Grealish, being a Fulham fan, you've just thought, that's it. You know, and, and that was what, 68, 65th minutes or like that? So we went through that until yeah. that, until that, I remember that. Do you know what? Out of all the penalty shootouts we've done, Callum, I think this is the best one. Yeah. I really like it. Ledley King, who's only got one knee, Crouchy against Man City. These two might not remember Ronnie Rosenthal, but I do, so I think that's brilliant. Of course, Kane has to play, he does yeah. what he wants. And we've got a 75th minute goal from Jan Vertonghen in to, to win, to bring the cup back to Tottenham. Yeah. That's the end of the penalty shootout, mate. That's quality. Brilliant. Ben, this has been an amazing episode of the Foyne Jones Show. I think when this podcast is put together, it's going to time itself. Its release is going to be timed with the Champions League final. So we put it out towards the end of this week so we can yeah. really buy into that. But you've spoke with honesty and real truth about the challenges you face growing up, uh, the challenges you face from the market stalls to the care system to beginning your journey as a painting and decorator into the world of Howden's KBB where you are right now at Whiteley Furniture. You've got some great opportunities yeah. in your team right now, haven't you? Do you yeah. want to spend a couple of minutes talking about them? Yeah, I mean, we're... we're part of us um, are taking on Whiteleaf was that we, we committed to invest and grow the business quite quickly, which we have done. Um, we've, we've invested a lot in marketing and and infrastructure and making sure that we bring the right people in to support the business as it grows um we're great believers in not being reactive when it comes to building infrastructure we'd rather invest at the front end and allow ourselves to grow into that than have to be hmm. panic reacting constantly because we're you know creaking at the at, at, at the seams as such so we we're building in all areas. We're we're bringing in kitchen designers, CAD designers. Um, we're bringing in estimators. We're bringing in um, another additional salesperson to add to the two salespeople that we've mm. already bought in. Um, so you know it's it it's a great environment. There's a lot of new kids. 
So it's not like coming into an environment yeah. where you're the only new kid. There's a lot of new kids. And that's... It's, like, it's like the first year of school. Well, you'll yeah, go, yeah, senior yeah. school, you're covered it together. Exactly, and it's not because we've, we've lost people. Um, we've been fortunate in that we've retained almost everybody yeah. barring one. Um, but it's because, you know, our commitment to this business is so to I think grow. that word there is something that I wouldn't, I'm going to expand upon because commitment. Now, being in recruitment as long as I've been, you get very cynical, you get very twisted, you get, you get very perceived views. One of the things that's impressed me the most with yourself and Whiteleaf is that when we first started talking about the opportunity, we agreed some timeframes, it happened within them. Yeah. Um, the, the process is clean. It's transient. It's you know. So from a job speaker's perspective, the experience is really good because yeah. we're we're talking to them about how it will work. Yeah. You know, you're getting very quick and candid feedback on suitability, and we'll come on to why that is. But you're you're making really strong, balanced decisions for the business in a short time scale. Yeah. Is that always your style, or is that just here where that's really come to? No, no, no. That's always yeah. my style because that that's that's what you want. That's yeah. you know because I speak to people the other side of this table who are. You know, who who I went for an interview two two months ago and I haven't heard. Or yeah. you hear some real horror stories. We've also brought some of our approach into this, which has been different for you guys. Yeah. But you know, you're working on Front of Four and Jones video platform. Yeah. So you, we mentioned CVs earlier in the podcast, but we go above and beyond that. Yeah. From a hiring manager, business owner, managing director, how have you found having individuals introduced to you like that? Oh, it's brilliant. Um, and and. The reason it's brilliant is because the one thing that I don't have much of is time. Yeah. Um, so for me, um, to actually give time to sit and meet with candidates, you know, as 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 nice as it would be, mm. um, I don't have that luxury of time. Um, so f- so having them there on the video thing. I mean, the other day I was in 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 London. Pulled over. I was on my way. Lara said that. She said you was in the car. Yes, literally a car can world design yeah. week, and just had them up on the car, and, yeah. and was just watching them in the car. So we are actively recruiting, and people will know this anyway from the work we've been doing. But we're 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 introducing kitchen designers, sales estimators, CAD designers, and salespeople to you. Yeah. There's still positions to fill, isn't there? So yeah. we're, so we're really looking forward to yeah. to getting some more people in front of you this week, but. Um, I must say, Ben, I mean, from, from a human perspective, a football perspective, a KVB perspective and a Whiteley Furnish perspective, you've been a brilliant guest, mate. Thanks for inviting us down. No, thank you. All right. We've got some chocolates and stuff and biscuits for, for, every, for everyone in the office that we're going to share with them. Thank you. But I genuinely have to wish you good luck with, with, with Whiteleaf. But Tottenham Hotspur Football Club, you're watching it. Uh, you're watching it with family, aren't you, with friends? I'm watching it with friends. Yeah. Town, yeah. yeah, I remember you said, mate. So... Yeah. Uh, May the force be with you, mate. That's going to be a big game. Thank you. Thank you, mate. It's quality. So that's the end of the show. Thanks for listening. You can find out more about Foyne Jones by visiting our website or connecting with me on LinkedIn. We are Foyne Jones. This is what we do.